Hey guys, and welcome to My Life, My Journey podcast. On this week's episode, we have Dr. Robert Kelly, PhD, the recovery expert. He was born in Manchester, England. He's now living in Texas, in the United States, where he runs his recovery to addiction. Please put your hands together and get ready for Dr. Rob Kelly. Let's get into it. This podcast isn't to be used to act as a substitute for mental health counselling and I am not a therapist in any way, shape or form. I'm just here giving you ways in which I dealt with my mental health. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of My Life, My Journey podcast and on today's episode we have a very, 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 I'll say the most amazing bloke on here is from Manchester and... um, well, he is the recovery expert. It's Dr. Rob Kelly. He was born in Manchester, England, as I've said. He grew up in a family of musicians and developed a strong love for music, as I did, as everybody knows. I used to like singing and rapping. Um, and he was performing at an early age of nine. Uh, he actually went to, is it Abbey, Abbey Road Studios then, Rob? Where, yeah. you, where you went to? Yeah, as we know, is uh, when a people made famous. So I was a session musician there for... About two years, three years, it put me through college. But I played with John Bowie, Queen, all the guys there. You know, for those guys who don't know what a session musician is, it's when the record company or a studio, when when the when the band get, let's say Oasis, they get they, they start releasing songs, they get pre upfront money. Then when the first paycheck comes in, most people go out and get wasted, and they lose like six yeah. months of their life. So I'm the guy they bring <laughs> in to lay down tracks that you think is the bass player from Oasis, this is not the one, just saying, uh, that's what a session musician does. So yeah, I enjoyed that, loved it absolutely. Uh, that's where my cocaine and alcoholism kicked off real big though, but hey, good experience. Part of the life, isn't it? I think I, think I heard Elton John speaking with Piers Morgan about that, about um, different addictions, just to keep you awake really, isn't it? The the need of the job kind of thing. Well, I, I was college most of the day and then and then I'd get called into uh, to Abbey Road about, you know, 11 o'clock till 5 a.m. So, yeah, I try and eat and, and be good during the day, but bang the cocaine at nighttime on speed to keep awake to do the session. So it was just one of the crazy things that was always meant to end up me being homeless, and that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, so for the listeners here, Rob obviously does uh, recovery coaching um, due to addiction, and he's got an amazing book um, that's out at the moment if you want to go and get it. If, I, if I'm right here, it's um, Daddy, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking. Is that right, Rob? That's it. It's out there, guys. It's only $9 on Amazon. All the money goes back out into the community. We don't keep any of that money. And if you buy it and you don't like it on Amazon, send me a message. I'll refund your money. It's not about the money. Exactly. It's just about the story. And if you're, in the, if you're in the USA, by the way, guys, and you need a copy signed free, just send me a message. Uh, I'll send Ashley at robkelly.com a message. I will send you an out free of charge. Tell you what, I wish I was in the USA again now. I could have got one signed. I'm going to send you one personally, man. <laughs> so, yeah, this is Rob. Rob, do you want to tell your story to the to the listeners then, um, where it all started for you and, and that epiphany that you had, that moment in that shop as well that sent hairs at the back of my neck? I think it's very powerful. Um, and I, I believe there's a lot of listeners here. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. Hey, guys, my name is Dr. Rob. I have a PhD in psychology and a PhD in behavioral science. I'm uh, one of the uh, top five in the US uh, addiction doctors. So I've worked for Harvard University. Uh, I'm, I'm on TV, radio, books, all that stuff. Uh, I'm the go to guy for all A listers and the famous people. Let's think this is the guy to come to. Uh, not bad for a homeless guy from Manchester, Moss Side, Manchester. Um, 
for those people who don't know what my side is like, it's a bit like Beirut with lights. That's about the only way yeah. I can really describe it, you know. So I took my first drink at the age of nine years old on stage in Liverpool. I remember that it was, it was yesterday. I was playing in the musical Family. My, my auntie and uncle were musicians. So we had this trio. Um, and I was nervous in this huge event in Liverpool. And I, I, when I went on the first time for the first 45 minutes, I froze a couple of times. So when I come off stage, my uncle Peter, who was the guitar player, I was the bass player, at the age of nine, gave me a drink of alcohol to get rid of my nerves. And that's what set my alcoholism off. Now, I'm a great believer that alcoholics are born and drug addicts are made. And most addictions uh, from learned behavior, a measurement and a uh, lack of certain things in our lives, like uh, the dopamine and serotonin brings on a lot of addictions, which we'll go into later. But there was alcoholism in my family. So I'm born this way. I'm born with three parts of my brain that differ from any other addiction in the world. Um, so when I took my first drink, all bets were off, so to speak. So I carried on drinking Friday, Saturday, Sundays when the band was out playing in working men's clubs and labor clubs and stuff like that. It was on the cabaret scene, you know, with a lot of posh people. We played, you know, two, two 45-minute spots uh, within 100 miles of Manchester. And that's what we did, you know, and my drinking was amazing. You see, when I took that first drink, Jermaine, it looked like it's had, I took a first mouthful and it was like yeah. it was like winning the lottery for me. Now, I asked friends of my age, when was you, when you took your first drink? I got 10, 11. What was it like? Oh, it was horrible. I spat it out. Not me. When I took it, it changed me completely. I had confidence. I was, oh, it was just amazing. So I knew I found something that was going to serve me for the rest of my life. There's no doubt about that. So every time we'd go, I'd take a couple of swigs, go on stage. It was great. Did that all through, uh, all through uh, uh, middle school, as you say over here, in high school, secondary school, yeah. and then uh, yeah, it become a, it become like a three or four days a week, and then a, a joint of Freemasons. I can be open about it over here. The Freemasons in England, as you know, very secretive. You don't know where any of the lodges are. In America, it's a bit different. You know, everyone advertises it, wears rings openly. But back oh, in the okay. day, yeah, back in the day, in the Freemasons back in England, it was very very hush hush. Uh, and a lot of high-profile people, police commissioned and stuff within the Freemasons. Now, in Freecow, it happened because I was a musician and our friend's father uh, used to belong to the lodge uh, in Manchester, and they, they never had a keyboard player. They could never find one. They were all old people, and they were that desperate for a 50th or 100th anniversary that they asked me to come in and play, play the organ, you know, for like 20 minutes. And uh, they had to meet me a Freemason to do that. So I said, get inside the lodge. So I was quite wow. a work through, got my apron and everything. But from there came all sorts of contacts. I got in Oxford University only because of that, of that Freemason connection. One of our lodge members knew a high-ranking high high police officer in London, the Met, who knew a, you know, someone high-ranking in the Oxford University. Uh, and that's how I got in. So I was, uh, I remember when I was, when I was drinking, I, I, I was must have been about, I don't know, 15, 16, I can't remember. But I saw an advertisement in for a bass player, uh, a session bass player for a place called Strawberry Studios in Manchester. It, if you remember, you guys in England are brilliant because I, I say it over here, they go, what? 10cc on it. So 10cc on it. But what happened, I remember going in, Jermaine, for my first session, and uh, they put me three sets of music. And he said, are you ready on click? And I said, yeah, sure. 
played it, I played these three, stop for 15 seconds, click again, I played another bass line. Now we used to get about five pound each when we traveled yeah. about 50 miles in a two grand car with 50 grand worth of equipment. You know how that goes when you're gigging. But they gave me like on pound. I'm like, what? So there's my future. I was no longer going to get up a stupid time, go on the road, you know, come home at four o'clock in the morning. So I started to do session work. And then I obviously saw, I think it was music melody or melody maker or something and add in there for a bass player, session bass for Abbey Road. And uh, I, I went for a bunch of auditions, got the job and put myself through college and, you know, everything started to pick off. I, th I thought that was it. You know, it was amazing, but it wasn't. Because I was open to this world of alcohol and drugs and, and women and, you know, all, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I finished college and went into police force because most of the uh, Freemason guys were police officers. Uh, I didn't last that long. They fined me for being drunk. And then uh, I started my own business and got wealthier and then uh, got married. I had some children and stuff like that. And then it all went wrong. You know, there's a lot of things that went wrong in in, a, in about three or four years that was just horrendous. I mean, you know, when I share it, I still got upset. But I, I married this amazing girl, um, and we had two children because I knew I was drinking too much, and I thought that you know having one child would would solve the drink problem. You know, and now I'm father kind of thing. I've got to act responsibly. But I remember saying to my wife when she was due. You know, we rushed to the hospital and in the way in the car, I said, you know something, when the first baby's born, I'm going to never drink again. I'm a full-time yeah. father. So when we got to the freaking hospital, the baby came and then mom had her, then she passed into me and I, I hold my baby, I kissed her forehead, I handed it back and I took a Bible out of my bag and I wasn't really religious, but I put it on the bed and when the doctor was there, I asked him to come in and I swore on the Bible in front of the doctor and my wife that I'd never drink alcohol again. Uh, 20 minutes later. Moment, then. 20 years later, I'm drunk. Yeah, but that, that's a hard task, though, for you as well, though, because right. you want to wet the baby's head, don't you? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I try and explain to people over here that back in my day, I was born at 61. Uh, back in my day, if you didn't drink, nobody trusted you because you finished work and went straight to the pub with all yeah. the lines. You know, if you was an adult drinker, they're like, what, have you got a dose well, What's well, that was on? our way of dealing with things, weren't it? Yes. We had a hard day. Instead of taking it back home to the missus and the kids, we'll take it out at, at the pub, won't we? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's, yeah. how, that's how my parents used to do it. My mum and dad were born in 67. So, like, my mum's yeah. Irish from an Irish background. So, we know how that goes with drinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it's crazy, you know. It's just, but that's what happened to me. And, you know, after, a, I don't know, a year or so, I have a second baby. Well, that was it. Jermaine, I wasn't going to touch it from the second baby. Same routine, only I took two Bibles to, to the hospital. The baby was born, held it, held it back to mom, both hands on the Bible in front of a doctor, and I never drink again. Worst 14 minutes of my life, because that's all I lasted. And it just went on from there, you know, and going back to that house, I mean, I was earning a lot of money, which masked my alcoholism, uh, because we had yeah. the big house and the brand new cars, only 12 months, the Mercedes and stuff. Uh, but I would fall down the stairs, nearly killed my baby, falling on her. I would, you know, early ages, one and two, I used to leave them in cinemas while I'd come out and go for a drink at the nearest uh, liquor store or license, off-license back in England. I left them in some dangerous situations, but one night, this is how bad my drinking got. One night, I, snuck, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, man, and I, was, I needed a drink badly. So I went downstairs, 
Um, and I knew there was some vodka in the kitchen. So I was looking for the vodka frantically and finally I found it. I remember taking the bottle out and I put it on the side for a second in the kitchen. And I this is madness. I turned around to get a freaking crystal glass from, from the cupboard. Like, I'm not going to drink out of the bottle. I got, I got this yeah, expensive yeah. crystal glass and by the time I turned around, my wife had followed me down and she snatched the bottle off the counter and she said to me, I think you've had enough. And when I think about that, she was probably like, I've been drinking all night. I've been drunk for at least three days. And I'm due to go into a board meeting. Instead of saying, thank you, Mrs. Kelly, I'm walking upstairs back to sleep. I took a kitchen knife out and I stabbed her three times. Then I wow. took my bottle off and I finished the bottle. When I finished the bottle, I called a taxi. When the taxi got there, I called the police and the ambulance and I fled to Spain. And I never come back until they dropped the charges of attempted murder. But when I got back to Maine, she had all the cases. She didn't die, obviously. All the cases packed. And when I got home, uh, she said, I love you to the day I die, Rob. You're not going to kill our children. And she left me in this house on my own. And I was, I was so angry, Jimmy. It's like, I used to work the doors and everything. It's, you know, semi-pro bodybuilding, martial arts. Who the fuck are you? Nobody leaves me. Do you know who I am kind of thing? So yeah. I got with my attorney the next day and I got my kids back. He brought them back the next morning. I gave them a big check at the door, brought them in. Now, I've been about three days sober now because just to travel home and everything. But I put me in front of the TV, Jermaine, and I switched the TV on. I think they were one or three, two or four. I can't remember, but they were around that age. And I went to the kitchen after everything that had happened. Guys, everything. I went to the kitchen and the, and the thought hit my mind, wouldn't it be great to have one beer to celebrate my kids coming back? I remember of the, of the beer, three days later when the police kicked the door down, woke me up, there were bottles of vodka strewn over the floor. The two kids had not been fed or changed nappies fucking two days. And they served me with unfit father papers. As I stumbled to my feet, I got to the door, the police was there, the authorities were there, the child services were there, the child protection, she was there, and mom was there. You know, there was crying. My, my daughter, ages three, she was holding mommy's hand uh, as she's walking down the path, and this is what she said to me. First of all, she said, Daddy, Daddy, please don't go. And then further down the path, she turned around again, and I'm still at the door crying, and she said, Daddy, Daddy, um, Please get better. And as they got to the big gate, they opened this big gate at the end of the path. And I remember to the day I died, she turned around one more time and she says, Daddy, Daddy, please stop drinking. I couldn't do it, you know. Couldn't do it for my kids. I couldn't do it for me. Six or seven months later, I'd lost the houses, lost the cars, lost my license to practice, lost my kids, lost my, I lost everything and I was homeless. I remember the first day on the street of homelessness going, what the fuck just happened? What happened? And I was lonely, I was on the streets, it was pouring down with rain. And uh, there started a 14 month stretch on the streets. But uh, uh, going back to the point you were just made before, I remember stood outside a, an off license one morning. And again, guys, you'll know this being English and in the UK, Americans don't understand this, but I was outside an off license and a news, news agent about five o'clock in the morning. It's snowing. I'm in a string vest and a pair of shorts and a pair of flip-flops and I am sweating profusely. Now this guy can't serve alcohol till 10. 
because he serves newspapers in the morning, but he knows yeah. me, man. He opens the door at like 5.15. I sneak in, he closes and locks the door behind me. And for whatever reason on this one occasion, I put my £10 or whatever it was on the counter, and he knew he put the bottle of vodka down. This is what I did on this day. I was shaking. I got headaches. I feel like shit. And I'm going into the DTs. And I reached out and I grabbed the handle of the bottle. And this was my reaction. The shake, the sickness, the sweat, everything just went instantly. And I remember looking at him. And I looked at the bottle. And I looked back at him and I went, fuck. It's not about the alcohol. And that's what. When I got back off the streets, eventually, that's what set me being absolutely aggressively uh, pursuing what the hell alcoholism and addiction was all about because people didn't know. And, and there started my 30-odd years of, of studying neuroscience, the brain, what alcoholism really is, because alcohol has 1% to do with alcoholism, the same with drug addiction. It's got nothing to do with the actual disease. You know, so then I got into the brain science and... You know, I realized what's going on, and for the rest of my the, my, my life since then, 28, 29, I was, uh, I was aggressive. I was very aggressive and cocky, Jermaine, but not, not because, not because, because all my life I've been a bodybuilder, never was scared of me, but because I knew I had something that the world didn't know. Because yeah. you ask someone today, like, oh, Uncle Jimmy, he drinks every day, man, he's an alcoholic. Alcoholism is the only self-diagnosed illness in the world. Just because you drink every day, do not make an alcoholic. We have a predisposition passed down from generation to generation. My hypothalamus, my um, basal ganglia, and my amygdala differ from any other people, person in the world. So when I take that drink, all bets are off. Nobody knew that before I, I, I came across that. You know, it's just like you drink too much, you're an alcoholic. That's not the case. When, when I, I knew people were drinking more than me, Jermaine, more than me, and they were fine. Yeah. But it was some reason why I couldn't stop. And I need to find out why. I, I gave my children away. I almost killed my wife. I threw everything down, down the toilet. I wanted to know why. And all the doctors could freaking tell me is, Rob, I think you should go to AA. I said, yeah, doctor, but what is alcoholism? Oh, you just need to cut down on your alcohol. Alcohol is an excellent choice. When the disease yeah, that's, that's the problem. And that's what I want yeah. people to know. I see that a lot especially within the doctor system at the moment, they want you to do certain things, but they don't actually understand the actual issue straight down to the point. Like you were acting, like you yeah. said, like, well, you wasn't Rob anymore. When you no. was under, under that, under that drug of drink, because in a normal every day to day life, there's no way you would have mistreated your kids or tried to no. hurt your, your wife. Not, not a chance. So that no. there is telling me it's brain. There's some, there's a connection in the brain. And once you get that spark, i.e. the drink, it's almost like orgasmic, so to speak, I'd imagine. And you're, you know, you're, you're in that sort of world. Yeah, yeah. And I like to find out the science behind that. So I found it. We've done loads of research, you know, scientific research. It's hospital research. The hypothalamus in everyone's brain when they're born, it's a fight or flight part of the brain. Listen, you're not going to hear this anywhere else, guys, okay? This is my white paper that I fucking struggled to write. I knew there was something wrong. So the hypothalamus in babies when we're born, we have it, part of the brain. It's a fight or flight part of the brain. It tells us when to run, when to hide. Other, other parts do. But it also tells us, being survival part, to drink water and eat food to survive. It tells us that from birth. That's why babies put their hand down the mouth when they're hungry or they cry because their belly hurts. That's the hypothalamus saying you need to eat and drink to stay alive. Okay? 
Yeah. On a certain point of the alcoholic's journey, this doesn't happen with any other addiction, the hypothalamus suddenly changes and tells the alcoholic to drink alcohol only. That's why, if you're an alcoholic and you listen to this, that's why we no days or weeks without freaking off your food. Because the part of the survival brain is telling me to drink alcohol. I, I have a, I'm allergic to the ethanol in alcohol, man. When I take that, this starts first a mental obsession. I'll get away with it. I'll be okay. I'll be different this time. It might not be fucking different. But my brain yeah. tells me it's going to be okay. Nobody's going to find out. And when I take the drink, this has done its job. Now the allergy takes over, which means for me, I cannot stop unless I pass out or I die. And both of them have happened to me on a regular basis, by the way. I tried to commit suicide seven times on the streets, but on two occasions it worked. I was dead and they brought me back to life. And I hated them then for that, Jermaine, because I can't live with alcohol and I can't live without it. Mate, the hairs are sticking up on the back of my head. I'm sorry that you've gone through that. And it's hard to find words, Rob, to be honest with you, mate. You've got, it feels like you've gone through the mill and back as, as well as the family as well. I mean, how, how are the kids today uh, and the ex-wife? Is it an ex-wife now or remarried? Or My ex-wife is remarried. My daughter, who was one when they took him off me, I've never seen in 30-something oh. years. Uh, but listen, guys, for those people that are not... Struggling like I was, guys. I, I was estranged from my daughter for 30, 30 years. She never talked to me. She never seen me. She was back in England. And then four years ago, there was a messenger on my Facebook when I got up in the morning. It was my daughter, Charlie, Charlotte Kelly. And uh, she oh, said, yeah. I want to see you, Dad. I've just seen you on TV in England, blah, blah, blah. And, we, and she said, I've got something to tell you, Dad. I need you to come over. And we'd not seen her. So I flew over there, man, me and my wife, my current wife. And I remember standing outside the door and all that shit came. You're not good enough. What sort of father were you? Don't deserve to be here. And before I knocked, she opened the door. And we fell into each other's arm. We cried. We laughed. We, you know, and, and she said, I got something to tell you. So she walked me into her. She walked, walked me into her front room and uh, handed me my three-month-old granddaughter. Oh, oh. man. And it was right there, Jermaine, that we were doing something good. <laughs> it was right there, you know, that God said to you, good job. Good job, Rob, you're doing yeah. good. You know, uh, and, that's, and now she, uh, we sent her back to school and now she leads my Manchester office in the UK as my lead therapist. Oh, brilliant. That's that's a nice full story, yeah, full circle of what had yeah. gone on and where you'd been. And to be the man you are today as well. I mean, you Look, for the listeners out there, we we know Mossad, right? It's one of the hardest places to live, especially as a youngster. And growing up, it's like Brixton, it's like Birmingham. That there's all these areas of Mossad. Let's just say not a lot of people get out and make something of themselves, Rob, as well. So you've got to give yourself that that round of applause to yourself as well, because I, I think you're an amazing bloke. You've you've done some amazing things as well. It was just unfortunate. If I'm being honest, for this uncle to give you that confidence drink, you yeah. know, it. We've all been there though, Rob. That's the thing. I've been there when I, I wanted to go up on stage and sing, and someone would say to you, oh, "You have a beer." I remember my first beer. It was one of those little tiny beers. They're like that, little glass ones with a little yeah. lid. Yeah. And uh, my granddad gave me one. Um, I, I must admit, I didn't like it, but my brother liked it, and he he ended up becoming an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's crazy. Um, so what you have just said there was bang on right. Yeah. It's all on the side. I, I then moved to the race course. Now, when I say the race mm. course over here, nobody knows what I mean. But if you're in a romantic, uh, you know what the race course is, man. Nobody gets off there. Nobody makes anything off there. There's only me and two people. I can't remember the first guy, but the second time uh, he played for Manchester City. can't remember his name. Uh, and, and, and another guy that, that became an actor. He's over here with Ricky Gervais on, on series. There's only three of us that got off the estate. And how many thousands of people on the estate? How many three of us that made something of ourselves? Yeah, it's, it's but it's extent anyway to, you know, when you've got millions and millions of dollars in the bank, you'd have to worry about it. And you, you drive expensive cars and live in million dollar houses like we do. It's like, I kind of deserve that because A, I give most of our money away. And B, it's been hard, Jermaine. It's been a lonely journey for me. You know, it's like people from the race course, when I came over here, didn't want to know me because now I was on TV every day over here. And the people over here had money, didn't want to know me because I was from the race course. So it's a really yeah. shitty part for the last 15 years. It's been, you know, I, I don't have any friends today. I don't have anybody to call on. Go, hey, I need you right here. I'm dying. I don't have anybody. Because I've been in yeah, that. The, the, it's crazy. A lot of the times as well, though, Rob, you've got to look at that and think, if, if they're not, if, if, they, if people turn their back on you, they're not worth knowing anyway, mate, yeah. the way I look at it. You know, the, it's one of them things. I mean, where you've come from, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm blown away with your story, massively. Um, and, and to get to America, so, so, so what happened there? What, what made you go to the States and, and start over there? What was that like? Was that a big, massive change for you? Or was it literally just change the scenery to get away from all this, like drink or whatever? I need to recover properly by being away from, from where you were born and raised kind of thing. Most of the stuff I went through were freak accidents, as I thought at the time. I believe in God. I believe there's a... There's a guy up there and he's been looking after him from day one. So I, I'm on the internet when he first came out. You know, he's all I was on the internet really was chat rooms. So I got chatting to yeah, this. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. MSL I was in that. the house with another guy who was living on, on the dole. You guys will know what that means as well. We were living in yeah. poverty. Uh, and I started chatting to this girl and I told her what I'd been through and what I was doing and speaking and stuff. And she convinced the church over here in Dallas, Texas to bring me over for three weeks to do talks with their youth ministry. So I came over for three weeks. That yeah. was 18 years ago. I've never been never back. back. And Texas <laughs> has been within, I didn't want to go back and I don't know why, but within three weeks of being here, I signed a DVD deal and I got a hundred grand for that. And then, wow. uh, and then just opened my practice over here. And now we have five offices around the world, but it's a freak to me. It's just a freak how I, how I ended up here. Uh, it's nice though it's happened mate I mean I'm I, we're not the, I'm not the most well off person I'm a truck driver by trade I just drive a truck up and down the country I'm in Manchester quite a lot I'm, I'm up in Liverpool quite a lot I do containers so always in the ports but um, if a deal like that come my way mate obviously I'll be looking right kids come on let's go and <laughs> we'll do it but you're very very similar to the way my dad did it my dad he moved to America back in um, I think it was about 1998 but then he brought the woman back over to the UK, got married, then went back, and he's he's with a different woman now. He's had fr uh, three wives so far, and I'm nine. I'm the eldest of nine kids. Uh, but yeah, the first woman he met was on a chat room on Yahoo, Yahoo, Yahoo chat rooms or yes. something like that. Yes. Yeah, and then he he went out to Tucson, Arizona, is where yeah, he stayed. Okay. And then he's gone upstate now to Indiana and Michigan and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, but he's never come back either. So there must be something in the water over there <laughs> to keep you there. 
I know. And, and you know, it was you know, like you say, America. Well, America, Texas has been good to me. You know, I've been to most states because I work now. I work, with, I work with high profile people, movie stars, football, and stuff like that. Um, and I get to most states uh, traveling, but Texas is where my heart is. You know, I became a, an American citizen about a year and a half ago. Only. Oh, congratulations! Know. Yeah, it was a really big thing for me. You know, I just I, I love this country. I bet it was. <laughs> yeah. And, to, and Texas as well. So you're only around the corner from Mr. Rogan then in his studio because I watch a lot of him. <laughs> I on his podcast in December. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd did. love to meet him. Stuff, all them people that you see, all them other superstars. Yeah, I, I mix with all them guys. And, you know, oh, yeah, mate. Apartment, so, yeah. Living yeah. the dream, get to go to the spaceship. That's this that's new oh. comedy club, isn't it? The spaceship. Yeah. But it, oh, it's, mate. You know, I have a saying over here because when I was... When I was homeless, I remember what Christmas Eve walking past these houses. It was snowing and I, had, I was freezing. I had no money or nothing. And I looked in these houses and I saw these families sat around the table having dinner or tea, Christmas tea. And uh, I, sat, I, I remember saying to God, if, if you're up there, like all I want is, uh, is one day doing that with a family, you know. And yeah. from there to where I am today is, is humanly impossible. It really is. But I, I always say, you know, today I'm living the dream instead of dreaming of living because that's what I used to do on the streets. I used to dream of living again and I knew it would never yeah. happen. And now I'm living that dream. It, it, it must be odd. I mean, we, I went down to London. I've got, I did an episode, me and my friend, we went down to see the weekend perform at Wembley. Um, and we was basically homeless for about six hours. Yeah. Um, we weren't homeless, homeless. I'm not. I'm not trying to take anything away from people that were actually living on yeah. the streets. But our bus basically said, "We're not taking you. We're going straight Glasgow now. We ain't mm. going to go up to the Midlands." So we, we we had to wait. I had to, you know, it was one in the morning. I'm calling around all my friends, but obviously it's Friday night. Everyone's on the on the juice, so they can't come all the way down to collect. But luckily, my brother was okay, and he, he come and got us. But it was cold, man. So for you to do that. I mean, it was only the other day I gave I gave a meal to a homeless guy. My son did it as well, and it turned out it's the same homeless guy we both gave this meal deal to because I just felt for him and I thought, mate, you need a meal. Um, I didn't acknowledge him on the way in. I, I saw him, but I didn't make eye contact with him because I wanted it to be, look, I'll come out. I don't want you to go, to to get down to that level to beg me for something. I want to just yeah. give it you as a as a as a gesture, if you know what yeah. I mean. And I come out. <laughs> There's your meal, mate. Enjoy it. And he looked shocked because it was like, well, I didn't even speak to you on the way in. It's not that. It's that I noticed you. You might yeah. not have noticed me. I noticed you kind of thing. So what would you say to other people then in that situation, Rob, that is perhaps, you know, coming out of university, because you went to quite a prestigious um, university in England, didn't you? Like yes. One of the biggest. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Was it Oxford? Uh, Oxford, yeah. 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 It's the deal, guys. It's like, you have to really study the mind as much as I've studied it because anything's possible. And when I say that, I mean anything is possible. So the mind is energy. The mind is power and energy, which connects with a universe or an energy around the world, period. It's proven science. So the, the mind sits inside the brain. So yeah. there's a saying out there called mind over matter. The mind... Yeah. The brain is matter. That's what it is. It's like this. When you make your mind to do something and you know the technique to go around that, you can achieve that. So if you're, if you're at home, guys, and if you're, if you're listening to this now and you're in the place that I was, man, I'm telling you, start dialogue with somebody because that's not your lot in life. 
the reason why I sit here today and look back in my life, everything I went through was like a, was like a semester at Harvard University, man. The stuff I learned to do what I do today. And that's all it is. Nothing is permanent. Everything is temporary. So if, if you're sad at all when you're thinking you're not worth anything, you're never going to amount to anything. First of all, I want to apologize to you because somebody's put that there. We're born with million-dollar minds. Stop fucking hanging around 10-cent minds, okay? Get out of that. Find your million-dollar mind people and start hanging with them. If you, if you hang around nine depressed people, you will become the 10th. If you hang around nine successful people, you will become the 10th. It's a, it's, 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 a, it's a law of attraction. It's physics. You know, it's science. It's just true. There's no doubt about it. You know, you will pick up the mirroring part of the vein or pick up with the people you hang around with. So show me your friends. I'll show you your future. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's that powerful line I've heard of. If you do surround yourself by negativity, you become it. Yeah. You start living it, don't you? Like about, uh, crabs in a barrel kind of thing. You know, yeah. the minute you're trying to get ahead or whatever, they try and bring you back down. Like, you ain't going nowhere. That's literally been my life, Rob. Everything yeah. I try and do, it's always, you're never yeah. going to do it. You're rubbish. Yeah. Like, even to the point of this podcast, people were laughing. Like, oh, you, you won't you won't do it. You won't do any good. And, and I've said it many times. I can't believe the guests that have come on here because of what this is as well. It's about mental health. It's about addictions. It's about what people are going through. And it's about raising that awareness. So everybody that's listening might think, oh, that's me. Yeah. That's me. Right, what do I do? Yeah. First thing, no one's going to knock on your door. You've got to you've got to do it for yourself. I love that. You've got to do it for yourself. And what I found, I had to go out, get it done myself. And I was on the waiting list for about nine months with the NHS trying to get the help I needed. So what did I do? Did I sit on my laurels? No. I was scouring the internet, looking at things like, what can I do? So... <laughs> And there was things on there saying, try meditation. So I did it. I, I'm doing a bit of meditation now, do a gratificational journal. I'm doing that. I'm trying to self-medicate that way. Now, others can self-medicate, be it drugs or drink. I didn't go that route. And I'll be honest with you, Rob, you know why I didn't go that route? Because I can't afford to go that route because it's too expensive to go that route. And I've got kids that, that kind of need me to, to stay dad. And my missus needs me to stay as I am, so to speak. So... For me, it was get my head in the books kind of thing. And that's why I think I look up to you quite a lot from the man you, you were. I've, I've read your story. I've, I've watched a few of your podcasts and you just blow me away. All these people that you've helped as well. I mean, what, what is this recovery program that you do for people that's in the States? And is there an opportunity for people from perhaps the rest of the world that can log on to like live kind of treatments? Is that available for you? Yeah, well, we, we kind of only do 98% of our work is telehealth, which basically means it's online. It's on Zoom or something like that. Uh, we do one hour a day in 90 days. That's all we do. We guarantee our work. If you relapse after, we'll repay money uh, back to you. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, that, that's what we do today. Amongst other things, I have the Rob Kelly Foundation. We just started. I do, I do a few other things. But th this, is my, this is my main deal. I don't get involved in the money side of mine, you know. But listen, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Uh, for the older guys out there, or go and ask your dad, there was a, a notorious gang in Manchester called a Quality Street Gang. I belong to I've that. I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, heard of that. Yeah, me and Dougie Flood. Yeah, I, I, I was in that. Yeah. We got, uh, I don't got, I, I worked out of doors because I was a bodybuilder and fighter. But I remember one night we finished at uh, Friday's nightclub. Uh, and a bunch of doormen after sit down drinking. And I was doing something and I came back in. And somebody said, oh, I'm in fun. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm like, what are you talking about, guys? But I don't want any. I don't want anything to do with this. You know, just count me out. And I went. 
So like a month later, an Armand Van was hitting Manchester, and I knew they'd done it. The next day, man, all these all these dominoes come to the the club in Porsches and Rolls Royces. <laughs> I'm like, guys, are you? And they all got locked up. So I, I've been in places where I, if I hadn't left the race course when I did to go down to Oxford yeah. and get educated, if I had that freak thing through the Freemasons and that happened, I would be dead today because all my friends have died of overdose of heroin, you know, and crack cocaine even. But I was in that. I was the man on the race course. Nobody broke into my house. You know, nobody because they knew that, that I, would, I would beat anybody down, man. So people stayed away from burgling our houses, but I would eventually have got into that shit. And it would be dead by now. There's no doubt about that. So it seems like all the time that I was always meant to be here in in San Antonio, Texas, to do what I do today. But yeah, it's uh, we we mainly work. We what we try and do is we, we work with the rich and famous, and then we kind of take a portion of that money and we go to the guys like me and you, the working yeah. men guys, and we, and we subsidize heavily if they want to go through the program because when I wanted help, there was no help for me. And when I had money, I went to the Priory. You know, I went there for like a few months, drank on the way home, wasted time. Uh, but yeah, we give we give a lot of money back. About 150,000, me and my wife get back into the world, back into Manchester, back into England, America, Texas. You know, that's our deal back. And everybody who works for me has to have a pro bono client. So like 25% of our work is pro bono. Yeah. Because it's that's all amazing. about- Jermaine, it's not about look, look at me. Like I've got millions and millions of dollars to drive stupid cars. My car's worth about 200 grand. And the only way I say that is that I'm from a guy from the race course. So if I can do this, I swear to God, man, anybody can do it. But it comes down to the belief, it comes down to how powerful you really are. Because most people are going through normal stuff childhood trauma, trauma, divorces. We lose our identity, mm. we lose how powerful we really are. And when we find our identity, you can do anything in the world. It's the biggest secret ever. You know, believe you can do it. But people don't believe it all. I can't just believe it. I can't. Yeah, you can. Most of them. I found from the company, Jermaine, is the higher I went up in a company, the more idiots I came across. It was winging it. And I was looking up to them dickheads. I'm like, what? What? So I started doing that. You know? Yeah, but. See, I found that as well from watching like TV shows and that, and you see there's a lot of personalities on there, and I'm like, are you actually like this in real life or or what? But but yeah, I think I think people do get diluted quite down. But I also think it's because if you're from a deprived area, you've got nobody helping you out, you've got nobody giving you any opportunities or options. The only op, you know, if you're in a deprived area, what's the option? I need money Friday night. How do I get money? Well, no one's going to employ me. So what do I do? Right, there's a car over there. Let's get a screwdriver or a spark plug. We'll pop the window, take the stereo, quick 30 quid on the street value. And that's where you, you go. I mean, you, you know yourself, if you was a doorman at the race course, you understand about the Essex boys, the rise of the foot soldier with their Land Rover murders and stuff like that. Once you're in that life, and this is what I'm saying to, to listeners out there, if you're in that life, to get where Rob's got to today is very difficult because there's only normally two ways out and that was dead or becoming top boy and luckily just, just being protected heavily in it. <laughs> so I, to I, be where you are today is amazing. Yeah, I, I think so. And you know what? I used to, I used to be ashamed of what I had to when I started getting wealthy and on TV, I used to be ashamed. It took me a long time to realize that a, I don't give a shit anymore. I don't care what I wear. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what biggest house, crazy watches I, I don't care and it took me a long time and it might sound stupid but it took me a long because the race cup the race course boy would always kick in who do you think you are 
these guys don't want to see you. Well, if they found out who you really were from the race course, you wouldn't, what are you doing, Rob? You're crazy, you piece of shit. All that stuff that I got told as, as a kid, man, it, 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 it's all hard, you know, to do that change. But what's even harder is being at my level and keeping your feet on the ground. That's sometimes yeah. not. I'm putting off a set of a TV show called The Doctors Round Here. They fly you over there. They, they, you have chauffeurs for the day. And my wife, who's an amazing person, I came off, and this was only about six years ago. I came off up, up the set, uh, and, and I said to, I said to Janet, where the, and I was, I don't know why I was in the mood. Where the fuck's my, my chauffeur? Well, she slapped me across the face. This is a timid girl, country girl. And she said, don't you ever, ever say that again. Otherwise, me and you are finished. See, I'd walked out. Where's my chauffeur? It's not my chauffeur. The fuck I think? It's not mine. They were glad enough to give me that for the day. So every time I, I raise a little bit, you know, with, with my ego and my cockiness, I get slapped down by the people around me. I need them people around me, do you know? Because it's really yeah. hard when you, you know, when you've got, you've got everything you want and everything you need. It's really hard. But the best thing around is giving back, treating people really nice. Just what? Yeah. If you go out with somebody who thinks he's somebody, watch how he, he speaks to the waitress or the waiter. Oh, I've, I've seen. I have yeah. seen. It, mate. That's why it's hard for me to relate with that because where we are, I'll be honest with you, Rob, it's, we don't have a lot, so we just stay humble to what we've got, if you know what I mean, because I know what I've got at the minute and, and I try and protect that the best way I can. But I do understand because you've, since nine years old, or you, you've, the brain's already in that addictive mode. So the minute you start getting addicted to having that thing, you want more respect, more respect. It's not really you. It's, it's the brain. I understand what you're going through. So yeah. then you get to that point and that power, yeah. a little bit like the President Trump thing. Like, yeah. I, I say something, you lot bow, kind yeah. of thing. So I yeah. do understand that. I don't, I don't blame that on you personally. It's just it's perhaps just a neuro, something, something in there that's telling you I'm entitled to that, like, yeah. like an entitlement. Um, yeah. but you're surrounded by the right people that slap you back now and say, Oi, Rob, yeah. no, stop it. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no, yeah, that's what you need. That's, that's good people because then they're honest and trustworthy, and that's the, yeah. that's the things you need in life. I mean, so, you've just got to, you've got to surround yourself by them people. I have to, and human being, after all, you know, I treat all my staff well, I pay, overpay my staff, especially the girls out, you know, out there to get paid a hundred dollars an hour, 150 sometimes, 300 an hour sometimes. I try and look after people uh, because I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. I know what it's like, you know, I've been there. And I think most of it as well is having been there. Exactly, you know? I've been there, yeah. Yeah, I've been there. It's like, you've got to look at you and your big house. Yeah. No, no, no. You know, I used to live in Piccadilly Gardens for 14 months. My, my restroom, toilet, my bathroom, my, my lounge and my, and my, where I ate, my, my kitchen was all on one bench. And it's exactly, still there yeah. today. You know, that's so, the hardest thing, man. Yeah, it is, man. Because sometimes I get up and go, shit. You know, I, I look at the house sometimes and go, holy shit. You know, I get in my car sometimes and drive and I go, no, this is, my dad would kill me, Jermaine, if he was alive. He'd go, you're not paying that much for a car. If I, if, if you knew how much I paid for this watch, he would come back to life and, and I'd literally beat me to death. <laughs> you know what I mean? You need to treat yourself as well, though, because you have suffered. Yeah, you have I, suffered on the street, so you have to get those small wins. Also, it's not worth living because let's face it, in today's society, it's very narcissistic anyway and self-centered. The way the world yeah. is, no one cares about anybody else. From what I see on a day-to-day -day basis, it's me or nothing. You, you can see it right now by going into a traffic jam, and I promise you, everyone wants to get in front of you because they feel yeah. more important to get yes. there. And I'm telling that that that's where it all starts. And people say to the blue in the face, "I'm not selfish." 
you are. You want to get. You want to push in at a line at Alton Towers to get onto yeah. that ride first. Yeah. You won't allow people to step. So with me, I'm always. I'm a flasher. Not in that that kind of flasher. On my headlights, I'll flash. Go on, mate. You go out. Crack on. But then when I have somebody cut across me without saying thank you, please, and yeah. I lose my shit, and I say, "Who the fucking asshole?" Yeah. That kind of thing. But then people moan at me for reacting like that, and I'm like, "Well, courtesy, man. If I've let yeah. you out, at least say thank you." Yeah. You know, so, and that, that's where I get my anger issues from. So I'm going through CBT at the minute. It starts nice. on uh, it starts soon. So I'll be I'll be doing my CBT, getting that therapy that I need to to calm my stress, my anger, and that kind of thing. Because you know, I I'm, I get shouty at people, and it's not me, Rob. It's not me. I'm not no. an angry person, but. But I know inside my own head, and that's why I'm looking for that work, and that's what I'll say to people out there. It's never going to knock on your door, the help. It won't. You've got to get up and be willing to do it yourself. And and I have seen on your website as well, like you said, and I think this is brilliant, Rob. We will, we won't take your money for the course unless you really feel like you've going to do it. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's a good message to have because then that really puts things into perspectives. Nobody dare do that. You know, I turned Britney mm. Spears down for a million dollars about uh, 14 years ago in Dallas, Texas. She'd just come off yeah. a gig. I wouldn't work with her. She wasn't ready. Next day, she went out and shaved her head and everything because she was pissed off at me. But uh, no, I'm not going to. I don't, I don't play that game anymore. No, I don't. I don't know. I just, I remember, I remember me when, when, when five pounds was a lot of money. You know? Yeah. I, I, sometimes I get wrapped up in like, I don't know how much milk cost or a gallon of, I don't know how much. It's, I have to get back to reality. And I, I convey with them people. You see, right now, Jermaine, if you say, yeah, go out on the streets, what do you do? Would you jump in this office and hang around with the guys in the ballroom? Or do you hang around with the drunks sat around the fire and doing their drunks every time, Jermaine? Because they're my people. The they, are, they also drag you back down, though, Rob. You've got to be careful, I must admit. You've got to be careful uh, that yeah. you don't get dragged down. But uh, I, just, I just, I like to treat people. You know, I like to just drop them $50 here and there or $100 just say thank you and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a balance. I was going to say that. Have you ever been up to LA towards um, the, the the homeless city down there with all yes, the tents I've, and that? Have you helped them out or not? With $5,000 about two years ago, handing $10 out to every person I came across. Oh, mate. That's, that's amazing. amazing. That. It was about, about 20000 And we just tenors and tenors and wherever we went, all down, all down that big thing, you're seeing all the tent city. They call it. Yeah. And they're just handing all this money up. And in often, like Christmas, New Year, Thanksgiving over here, we'll load the car full of sandwiches. And there's a place car called the, the, under the bridge. And we'll go down and all the homeless are there. And we'll start handing out sandwiches. That's what we do for Christmas lunch. We, we go down, we help people like that. Because that was amazing. Yeah. And yet you get thousands of people that will just walk by these guys every day. You so know? They- I've got to tell you a story, Jermaine. There was a pastor over here that went to a new church. I kind of knew him when I was in Dallas. And what he did is there was, there was rumor around a new pastor was starting uh, at this church. But what he did is he went outside like an hour before church opened and he dressed like a homeless person and he had a little yeah. camp with him. And, and these people were all Christians. What past him, never even looked in. Looked down him. He collected about, I don't know, $2, you know, for people coming in. And there was about 600 people in there. So after everybody was sat in, the buzzing was going. He goes around, gets changed, comes back on. And he said, hey, I'm the new pastor. And everyone's applauding. And he said, you haven't seen the homeless man outside? And they went, oh, that was me. How many people helped me as a Christian person? You all walked past me. And that's what I'm all about. When I go in and buy a brand new car from a, 
from the dealership. I go in torn jeans or a t-shirt with a little bit of a stain. I don't change. It's like, you need to meet me on my level. Don't come to me and look at me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me the way I look. Because yeah. I've been here and I've also been down there. Don't you dare judge me. And I went into a Porsche dealership once and I was, I was scrappy, unshaven. I was just, I was out that day. Went in and this salesman come up and I said, hey, listen, can I have a look at this 911 Turbo? He's like, oh, well, it's very expensive, sir. I said, yeah, I know. It's 590,000. I've just went, I, I don't think so, sir. So I said, you're, you're stopping me from texturing. Oh, yeah, it's just, it's very expensive. I, I couldn't do it, you know. And his manager walked out. I said to the manager, I said, hey, this guy won't let me test drive this car. And do you know what he did, you man? He went back to the thing, he got other keys and said, there you go, sir. You can, you can test out the car. I took a black American Express card out and paid for that car, but I made sure that other guy didn't get a commission. How dare you judge me, man? Because of his ignorance, yeah. Yes. Just he because the way you look doesn't mean exactly. nothing, doesn't mean how rich you are. Look at Bill Gates. That bugs me. <laughs> I have a big thing about that. I, that bugs me, man. I can't, can't be dealing with that shit, you know? No, mate, Will's, Will's on about that. A similar situation, not, not so much buying a car, but it was more like, let's go up next to the traffic lights, right, in this boxed out Nova, but put like a three litre engine in it. Yeah. Make sure it's all rusty. Then this, yeah. obviously get the, you know how the boy races are. They'll come yeah. by in their brand new daddy's BMW showing off with girls in the back. And I've always pictured, I imagine me driving this real little rust bucket <laughs> and then putting my foot down, changing it into gear um, and just booting and leaving them <laughs> off standing. <laughs> because seeing... Well, what's the word? There's a deceiving, isn't there? Don't always look at somebody and judge them first because you never know. Never, you never know. know where that person's been. Yeah. What that person's got. <laughs> and there's an old saying as well. It's an Egyptian saying, actually. Keep your candle close to your heart and keep it covered because if you keep showing it, there's yeah. going to be somebody around that's going to blow your light out. So, that's you know what I mean? But there is a lot of people out there that do that. But it shouldn't, shouldn't be judging you. I mean, I bet you felt good, though, didn't you? Getting that American card, an Express card out and go, yeah, bang. I did, you know. And I kind of, uh, I, just, I just don't like that myself. And other people might say, you know, you was flashy doing that. I, I don't care. I just don't. Because I've been homeless and because of where I am now, it's like I compliment three people every day when I go out. Dopamine's releasing my brain. Dopamine's releasing to their brain. If, I, yeah. if you don't believe that, guys, that you can change the world in, in, uh, in four words, do this next time you're around people. If you see, you know, a lot of people around, look for training shoes are always good. Look for someone who good kicks on. And as they walk past you, go, hey, man, there's kicks. Uh, and as he walks past you and he'll go, thank you, man, turn around and watch him. He's going to look down at his shoes at least three times. You just made his day. Now, he goes home to a wife, girlfriend, because he's in a good mood. Now, she's in a good mood. Then the mother in all caught. And it just goes on and on and on. Once you start doing that, and you realize as a human being, one person at a time, that we can change the world. And then what happens is you're gifted for that. But it's spirit of universe, the energy, you're gifted for that, man. It's like you on this podcast. Now, listen, uh, I've got to be careful. I'll say I don't want to come over cocky. But I don't get on anybody's podcast by mistake. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but I'm telling you now, Jermaine, this podcast is how you're going to earn a living in the, in this, in the mm -hmm. following years to come. I, I just know it. We're going to support it. We're going to promote it. You know, you're just such a nice guy. And uh, this is, I've got to tell you right now, I've done thousands of these, thousands of TV things. Right this is the be best podcast I've been on for a long time, man. A long oh, time. Man, I appreciate that. I know a lot of people say that. You know what it is? I just speak from the heart. I've all, I've just deadly honest. I'll tell it like it is. Um, and I just try and be honest because I like to give people 
hundred percent genuinity in ultimate. Like some of the words I can't even say right, Rob. You know, yeah. <laughs> I try. I try. We did a scientific. Well, not me. Gary Brecker did a scientific test. He's a, he's, a, he's one of my friends, and they they wired like twenty people up and sent them in a room. And what what they was looking at is looking at the peak of energy that people study. So what what the people didn't know is there was two mechanics, two truck drivers, two doctors, and when the, and nobody knew what anybody did. But when a truck driver met a truck driver, they spiked on the energy between them because they had a lot of things in common. But what spiked most? And this is really interesting, especially for you, Jimmy. What spikes most in the energy and achievement of the brainwave signals was authenticity. When people are authentic, you're at your best. It's crazy, isn't it? See, that's the thing. See, I've always been told I'm not good at anything. So that, that, that means a lot to me. My mate was on it. My mate, come on. I ain't seen him since school. And he come on um, last week. And he said the same, but I lost him. He went to the Royal Marines. Wow. Uh, uh, and then he, he, he's speaking to me and he, he said it at the end as well. He says, Jermaine, man, you know why you're good for this? Because you care. You yeah. listen, you understand, and you ask the right questions. And if you don't know, you, you blatantly say, what does that mean? Or how, how does that work? But yeah. I'm just trying to give a voice to people, little people like that are struggling really. And yeah. to, to have the likes of you on, like I say, you know, you're... Don't know if I can say a name, but your your lady that's been emailing me, it's been amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Cool, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and just amazing person. But um, I just can't believe what you've gone through. I really um, can't believe what you've gone through. What what you what your ex family's gone through as well. But you've been man enough to admit that and say yeah. that. You and I think that's helped with the recovery as well, isn't it? Being able to to say that because there's going to be a lot of people out there that have perhaps done that and are scared to admit that. Yeah. They like to keep that sort of stuff locked away, whereas you, you're crystal clear. And for me, yeah. that humbles. That, that's a humble thing to do. You're not lying. You're not hiding behind anything. You've told people, look, this is what I did. That's where it got me. This is where it could get you if you carry on down that path. So, yeah. and I think if people appreciate that. You know, they, I, they often say that I say things what other psychologists are only thinking because they dare say it. I don't give a shit. When I turn 60, do you mind? I don't give a shit. I used to have to play by the Texas licensing rules and all that shit, the psychology board. And I, I left that about two years ago. And I, I don't report to anybody apart from my wife and God. It's like, I don't care. I, I'm the guy pulling up at the traffic lights, you know, in, in a Bentley, uh, 62 years old. And another guy comes, he's about my age. And I'm playing Jay-Z on the stereo as high as I can. <laughs> and he's there trying to play some Mozart. I don't give a shit anymore. I really don't. <laughs> I dress like like a 16-year-old sometimes, you know? It's like living life to the full and not giving a shit about what anybody thinks. That's the key to life because I always used to go out in the mirror and make sure I look how big my arms are. Am I okay to walk in this dance looking good? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. But I, I, was, I, was, I was outside when I found, I just got the wrong shit. Nobody cares. When you walk in the room, like everybody's like, nobody cares. Nobody yeah. gives a shit. They've all got their own problems. And when I realize that, it's like weight off my shoulders. But yeah, you have to no... tell me who I am. I'm going to curse. I'm going to say whatever I want. If you don't like it, move on. You know? Yeah. So, well, you should be saying that on your Facebook. Unfriend me. What are you going to do? Come around and beat well, me up? I think so. It's, it's your Facebook as well, though. This is the you thing. Your... Do that. <laughs> People get so thingy about that, though, don't they? They always want to be able to judge you for, for what you're doing. It's like, is it affecting you? No. Is it going no. to harm you? No. So what's the issue? Is this jealousy, envy? What? What is? What, what's going on right now? 
I have a stage I mean, in my, it. I must admit, I'm jealous of your arms because I've just started gym and my arms are nowhere near as big as yours. But... Um, <laughs> little cuties. We have, we have a saying, Janine, over here, and that is when the haters stop paying my mortgage, I'll start fucking listening to them. <laughs> Until then, you know, wasting my time, man. Wasting my time. I like that. Well, the thing is, look, there's an old saying. You, you obviously know this saying, being an Englishman. I don't know if it's an American saying. I never heard it when I was in America, but in every graveyard, there's a poor man and a rich man, and they can be buried side by side in mm -hmm. the same casket, going to the same place. Yeah. So, <laughs> as long as you're living your life, as long as you're living your life, that's the that's the that's the main thing, Rob. And helping others, you know, yeah. that's what I think the key to life is: living your best life, realizing who you are, realizing how powerful you really. I'm talking to you guys. Uh, realize how powerful you really are, and and then and then kind of, if you want something, you've got to go for it, man. So let's let's turn to quantum physics really quick. Quantum physics is, is, a, is a proven science. So quantum physics tells me that I can be 12 places on a basketball court at the same time because we're never, no, nothing's solid. So their theory is I can be 12 places on a basketball court. I've never played basketball, but I'm not stupid. I know that if I'm one near the goal, I get the ball, I put it in the net, I'm going to be ahead of the game. And the, and the guy said to me, can you, can you see yourself there? I said, yeah, I can see myself getting the ball and put it in the net. And, he's, and, 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 then, and then he asked me, how are you going to get there? I says, I don't know. And what he said to me changed my life. He said, walk over and fucking take that position. I'm like, what? He said, walk over <laughs> and take that position. That's what I tell guys today. Visualize it. Walk over. Oh, you're not, you, you can't really do that, Rob. Says who? Yeah, but you're not. Says who? Yeah, but you're from the race group. Says who? Says fucking who, guys? Stop listening to these rules that are bullshit that keep you down. Once you start getting away from that oh, cesspit of people that want to keep you down, the quicker you do that, the better. Some people don't want to do anything with their lives. I go back to Manchester like two or three times a year, Jermaine. I see my same old friends in the same old pubs talking the same old shit, drinking the same old beer. And I'm like, there's a whole world out there, man. But they're happy doing that. But don't drag yeah. me down there. I, 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 don't, I don't play that game anymore. You know, I used to, but I don't play that game. Most of them are divorced. Most of them are like... 100 pounds overweight, you know, they, did you, ah, oh, that's not for me, man. That's not for me. Well, you've been there, haven't you? You've been yeah. there. You've, you've tasted the hangovers every night and, and the shakes. And then obviously losing your family as well. So you, you've been through, the, you've been through the shit, man. So enjoy right. what you've got. Enjoy what you've got. Right, guys, we are getting towards the end of today's podcast. Just want Rob now to use this space, obviously, just to shout himself out if there's anything that he wants to promote on here, um, especially that book. Um, I urge anybody to go out there and grab that. So over to you, Rob, my man. Yeah, Daddy, Daddy, please stop drinking if you remember was the last thing my daughter said to me as, as they took him away. That, that's my daughter and that's me. That's my daughter there. So, yeah, buy the book. If you don't want to buy it, don't buy it. If you want a free copy and you're in the USA, obviously, um, I'm going to send you on Jermaine. I'll get caught to get all your details. I oh, appreciate that. Um, Robtelly.com is the website. I spell one over two Bs in case you're listening and not watching and can see my name. R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y.com is the website. Jump on there. There's loads of stuff. But listen, guys, I want to, I want to get real uh, because I want to prove to you that I'm not just a gobshite. I want to prove to you and I could do it on only the best podcast. So listen, guys, if you're listening to this wherever you are, first of all, you are meant to listen to it. But listen, if you're in that place where I was, if you're in a place where you're thinking of suicide, desperation, you're never going to amount to anything, okay? 
find the area code. I don't know what it is from England, I forget. 214-600-0210 is my personal cell phone number. You can text from the UK. If you text me, I will call you back as soon as I can. I'll give you a 15-minute pep talk that will change your life. And, and if I don't, I'm going to send you personally £100 for wasting your time. The, the moral and the message in that is you're not on your own. And, and people like me are never too big, you know, to, to help other people. If you only have email, you can't afford to text USA, R-O-B-B at R-O-B-B-K-E-L-O-Y.com. Robert, RobKelly.com is my email. Send some stuff over, you know, we'll support you, we'll help you, I'll call you, I'll walk you through this, man, because like I say, you can do this together, you're never on your own. And, and as you, Jermaine, man, if there's anything we can help you, plus whatever you've got to do, man, we've got to, we got to raise your platform, man, I'd love to do that. I'm going to get Courtney to get all your details. But listen, thank you for what you do, Jermaine. I mean, oh, thank this you. is awesome, man. We, we know this can be a lonely journey. You know, you, you yeah. work all day, you come home, you do this. And I'm telling you what, I have this knack of, of, of spotting champions. Over 8,000 patients, I've never been wrong. I'm sat in front of a podcast empire guy right now. I guarantee <laughs> that I'm going to put some money where that mouth is uh, when we do our tax returns. But uh, yeah, I thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And no, I appreciate that. And it, it's as weird as I said that. If, you, if you're yeah. an AA guy and I've, I've said something that upsets you guys, um, I really want to tell you this. Call your freaking sponsor and put me down on your 10 step because I don't give a shit. I was going to say, it's weird what you just said because my daughter's in the living room with me over there and she's like, look at all this stuff because I've got literally, I don't know if you can see this, but I've got lighting oh, <laughs> as well. Because <laughs> I, is... I want it to look right. If you know what yeah. I mean? I, I put a lot into this. <laughs> so no, Rob, thank you, mate. And um, I will put all the stuff in the show notes, guys, for you to contact Rob as well if you do need to speak to him. Real genuine guy. Do go over, do check out his uh, website. And if you are in need, who better to go to than Dr. Rob Kelly? Thanks for being here, Rob. That's great. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for joining me on this week's episode with me and Luke. If you're to contact me or get in, to talk, get in touch with me, shall I say, then hit me up at Facebook at My Life, My Journey Podcast, or on Instagram at My Life underscore My Journey Podcast. We're now on YouTube and also on all of the major podcasting platforms. So please do get in touch, rate, review and subscribe. Until then, see you all next week.